The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey sis, welcome back to Girl Goodnight. I'm Return of Lamac, and every Sunday you can relax to binaural beats while I read you a melanated bedtime story. Tap into the show on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All links will be in the episode description. Submit original work and future episode suggestions to girlgoodnightpodcast at gmail.com. Help your friends sleep in melanated peace. Girl, share the show and show us some love with a five-star rating and review. Tonight, we'll be reading Paper Heart, written by Keisha Irvin. Tune in to Paper Heart Chapter 1 to hear more about the author and a summary of the story. On last week's episode, Scotland had the worst day of her life. She almost lost her job and she got into a big car accident. But on the bright side, she met night. Now, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and sleep in melanated peace. Show me, is you really about your money, bitch, or no? Tia no more in Kalani, or no? Chapter two. I'm so glad that the day is over, Lennon exhaled, stepping out of her six-inch heels. I'm going to have Maria draw me a hot bubble bath, and then I'm going to hop in, listen to some soft jazz, and zone out. That sounds nice, Knight replied, untying his tie as he looked over the mail that was lying on the kitchen counter. He was beyond proud of his home. He and Lennon shared a $3 million sky-high penthouse apartment that was 1,396 feet above ground and 8,255 square feet. It had 10 by 10 foot windows, 12 and a half foot high ceilings, and solid oak floors. The penthouse held three bedrooms, three baths, and a chef's kitchen with a premium stainless meal double oven Sub-Zero appliances, dining room, laundry room, elevator, beauty and barber parlor, and an indoor pool. I might join you, he eyed her lustfully as she slipped out of her dress. You want some of this, daddy? Lennon purred, placing her hand on her hip. I've been a bad girl today. You sure have, Knight grinned. Lennon had a body out of this world. Her physique was perfectly crafted from head to toe. 
She had a set of perky vanilla 36B cup breasts, a flat stomach, round hips, and a firm plump ass. The black lace agent provocateur panty and bra set she wore accentuated her curves perfectly. Nightstick was standing at full attention. The dark night rises. Lennon licked her lips devilishly. You gonna play with it? Knight unbuttoned his shirt and revealed his muscular tattooed chest. On his shoulders were dove swine. On his right peck was a tattoo of Jesus' mother Mary with Psalms 23 written above it. On his other peck was his mother's name. Both of his arms were filled with numerous tattoos. On his left rib cage was a portrait of a knight going into battle. His entire back was filled with one gigantic tattoo of Jesus hanging on the cross with rays of sunlight beaming behind it. Lennon hated his tattoos. She couldn't understand why someone would want to desecrate their body. Knight chalked her disdain for them up as something else they didn't have in common. I might, Lennon winked her eye. I just have to take a hot bath first. Dealing with that ghetto bird today really threw me off my game. She was so ratchet. She shivered like she had the heebie-jeebies. What were you doing over that way anyway? Lennon paused for a brief second before responding. I stopped at Schnuck's Culinaria to pick up some sushi for lunch, she replied, taking off her earrings. But you said you were meeting your parents for lunch after the accident. What can I say? I was very hungry, Lennon shrugged her shoulders. Knight eyed her quizzically, then resumed opening the mail. I don't know, I kind of liked her. She was a cute kid, he replied. Lennon whipped her head around and looked at Knight sideways. First of all, she was a grown woman dressed like an extra in a Lil Wayne video. There was nothing cute about her, but you would like her. Lennon looked him up and down. She's one of your kind. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Knight screwed up his face as he glided over to the wine cellar. Oh my god, Knight, calm down. Don't go into one of your little ghetto fits. Lennon pulled out a 1970 Bordeaux. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm simply saying that you two are cut from the same cloth. You have a lot in common. Who knows, you probably come from the same neighborhood. You saying that like it's a bad thing. I'm proud of where I come from. Growing up on the west side has made me the man I am today. Everybody didn't grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth like you, princess. Some of us had to work hard for what we had, night shot. Um, have you forgotten that I did five years at Brown, graduated at the top of my class, got my degree, and started at the bottom of my father's firm? I worked my ass off to get that corner office. Nobody handed me a damn thing. Lennon snapped, pouring herself a glass of wine. Don't knock me because my parents are wealthy and you grew up in an underprivileged neighborhood. It was little digs like this that made Knight question why he was with Lennon. They met during each of their first year at the Whitmore Agency. Both of them had graduated at the top of their class and were the firm's greatest prospects. 
He was immediately enthralled by her beauty, quick wit, and legal tactics. She was drawn to his cunningly good looks, bad boy edge, and charming megawatt smile. They were a match made in heaven business-wise, but relationship-wise, they always had a snack. The two of them came from two different worlds. Lennon lived a life of privilege and excess. She never had to worry about where her next meal was going to come from, or if the bills were going to be paid on time, or at all, like Knight did. Growing up, he was the oldest of five kids. He grew up in a single-parent home where his mother, June, worked as a maid at the Renaissance Hotel. June worked long 12-hour shifts where she would come home sore with swollen legs and feet, but she never missed a day of work. Neither Knight nor his siblings' fathers were in the picture, so that left everything up to June. Most times, something was cut off, whether it be the phone, lights, or gas. His three sisters, little brother, and he all shared a room. Since Knight was the oldest, he got his own bed, but his other siblings had to sleep two to a bed. No matter how much they cleaned because of their nasty neighbors, they kept roaches in the house. Knight never received brand new clothes from the store. Everything he owned came from the Goodwill or the church's clothes bin. On a nightly basis, gunshots rang through the air. Somebody from his neighborhood was always being killed or strung out on drugs. Knight prayed to God constantly for them to be rescued from the hellhole in which they lived, but no one ever came to save them. He quickly realized that he'd have to be his family's savior. He was their only way out of the hood, so Knight worked his ass off in school. Somehow he managed to graduate school as his class valedictorian, despite getting locked up a few times with his friends. He got accepted into Washington University and paid his way through college by selling weed to his rich white classmates. All of the studying and hard work paid off. Knight was now a 32-year-old successful talent and sports agent, but he never forgot where he came from. Whenever he had the time, Knight made it his business to go back and visit and check up on everyone. His best friends, Twan and Amir, still lived in the old neighborhood. Lennon hated his friends. She thought that they were so beneath the man that Knight was today. When it came to his family, she pretended to adore his mother and tolerated his sisters and brother. Knight figured if he showed Lennon where he grew up, she'd understand him more. The one time he took her to the west side, she freaked out and carried on so bad that he vowed to never take her back again. The reality of how the other half lived was too much for her delicate mind to handle. She couldn't relate to his life at all. It was through her nasty comments that Knight realized just how different he and Lennon were. I'm not doing this shit with you tonight. Knight gathered up his shirt and tie. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I hit a nerve? Lennon giggled, unbothered by his attitude. That's your problem. You think everything is a fucking joke. I didn't find that shit funny. Knight quipped. You're fucking stupid. Oh, calm down. It's not even that big of a deal. I was just making a statement. Why are we even arguing? 
This whole thing started because we were talking about Bonquisha. She's ruined enough of my day. She's not about to ruin my night, too. Lennon walked over to Knight and wrapped her arms around his neck. Let's just put all of this silly nonsense behind us. We have enough on our plates as it is. Your birthday is coming up. She kissed the side of his neck softly. Let's just chill. Let's get in the tub together. Lennon licked his lips. I want to feel you inside me, she whispered. Knight inhaled deep. He knew that he couldn't keep letting Lennon get away with her closed-minded bullshit. But his dick was hard, and all he could think about was busting the nut. After the fucked up day Scotland had, kicking it with her three best friends was by far the highlight for her day. She loved her girls. Yaya, Tootie, and Lachey were more than just her friends. They were her sisters. All four girls grew up in Pagedale together. They got their periods together, fought bitches together, got on niggas together, and graduated school together. You name it, and they've been through it as a team. No matter what, they were always there for one another. They were each other's support system. Scotland and Yaya had a bond like no other. When Scotland was 10, she came to live with Yaya and her family. Since birth, Scotland had been in the foster care system. She'd gone from home to home to finally land on Yaya's doorstep. The girls instantly clicked and became best friends. After two years, her parents adopted her and they became a real family. She loved Yaya dearly. She was her friend and protector. Sometimes she took the job as protector too seriously, but nobody could fuck with Scotland on Yaya's watch. She went from zero to 100 real quick. Yaya was the hothead, loudmouth shit starter of the crew. She only fucked with hood niggas with long paper and big dicks. She was 5'7", petite with caramel colored skin and rocked her hair short lavender. Yaya did hair on the south side of St. Louis. She was one of the baddest colorists in town. Everybody came to her to get their hair colored and styled. Tootie was the sweet, mothering peacemaker of the group. She had a smile that lit up any room she entered. Although she was caring and kind, if you crossed her, Tootie had no problem setting you straight. She was thick and had an ass that would put Nicki Minaj and Kim Kardashians to sleep. She worked as a CNA at St. Mary's Hospital and had a one-year-old son. Lachey was the turn-up queen. The girl loved to party. She stayed in the club. She never worked a day in her life. She was a single mother of three and had a body that resembled any top models. Lachey was tall and statuesque. She rocked a long platinum hairdo that accentuated her picture-perfect face. People were stunned that someone so beautiful could be on Section 8 and receive cash and food benefits from the state. Lachey got over $900 in stamps a month and sold what she had left over to her friends. She received child support from all three of her baby's daddies and would boost clothes on the weekends. She kept a pocket full of money on her at all times. As planned, the girls sat on Scotland's mini porch throwing back lime smoking weed, and talking shit. 
The sun had already set, but it was summertime, so everybody in the complex was still outside. Pass me the blunt. Yaya reached her perfectly manicured hand out. Scotland passed it to her. I'm tired as fuck, Lachey yawned. From what? You ain't did shit all day, Yaya joked. I'm tired because your man came over and banged my back out, bitch. Lachey stuck her tongue out and hit her with the middle finger. Don't get mad at me because I speak the truth. Whatever, Lachey waved her off. Nah, for real? I'm tired because I was up all night braiding Taylor hair. You know school starts next week. While you joking about getting your back banged out, I actually got mine cracked, Tootie said shyly. By who? Scotland asked. Romello, Tootie hung her head low. Ew, you back fucking with him again? Yaya turned up her face. Romello was Tootie's son's father, who was barely around and didn't help out financially. He said things are going to be different this time. He really wants us to be a family. Plus, he kicked me down a few dollars to help out with RJ. Well, that's more than what he did last time he came around. Did you ever get that $300 he stole from you back? I don't know for sure if he did it, Tootie spat. I had a couple of people over my house that day. Anybody could have took it. Don't get mad at me because your baby daddy a thief. Y'all, y'all laugh. Fuck you. Tootie threw an empty limerita can at her. All the girls laughed except Scotland. You're quiet. What's going on with you, ladybug? Tootie focused her attention on her. Y'all, I had the day from hell today. Scotland replied, replaying the accident over in her mind. What happened? Scotland took a deep breath and spilled the whole entire tea. I'm sorry that happened, friend. Tootie rubbed Scotland's knee. Not sorrier than me. I don't know how in the hell I'm going to be able to afford getting my transmission fixed, the damages to old girl's car, my car, and get my tax plates renewed. I'm barely making it as it is. This shit is just too much. Like, I just want to disappear sometimes, Scotland said in a state of despair. I mean, y'all should have seen this linen chick. She was dressed in head-to-toe Chanel. The bitch was bad. Girl, fuck her, Lachey shot dismissively. I can go to front of that plaza tomorrow and boost you some Gucci shit if that's what this mini breakdown of yours is all about. Scotland couldn't do anything but pause and laugh. Why don't you just ask mama and daddy for the money, Yaya quizzed. I borrowed enough from them, Scotland responded somberly. Seriously, don't you guys ever think that there has to be more to life than this? She looked at the badass Johnson twins who were shooting fireworks off into the other residents' cars. Next to them were a bunch of kids playing tag long after the streetlights had gone out. Across the street, a group of teenage girls dressed in barely their booty shorts were having a twerk contest. Up the way, there were a clique of dudes smoking weed and blasting Yo Gotti out of the trunk of the car. The opposite way, several dope boys were making transactions with the local crackheads. What's wrong with this? Yaya screwed up her face. Shit is live over here tonight. I mean, look around you. It's a bunch of coon shit going on. I want more than this. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of St. Louis. Hell, 
I've never even been out of St. Louis. I'm 27 years old and I've never been on an airplane before. Scotland shrilled. You ain't missing shit. It ain't nothing but a bunch of turbulence and clouds. Tootie flicked her wrist. Girl, you been around them white folks too long, Yaya scoffed. You better get your head out the clouds and quit all that daydreaming. This is our reality. We ain't gonna never have no million dollar home like the Frasers unless one of us win the lottery or look up by getting knocked up by a ball player. So get used to all this, cause this is who we are. Scotland shook her head. Her friends would never get it. They were comfortable with the life they led, but she wasn't. She gotten a taste of how the other half lived and she wanted in. I understand how you feel, friend, Tootie assured. If you want to get more out of life, then you have to figure out a way to get it. I used to dream about being a ballerina. Girl, bye, your ass is too fat, Yaya interjected. You wasn't going to be nobody's ballerina. WWE wrestler? Yes. Ballerina? No. Use a negative bitch, Tootie scowled, crossing her legs. Don't get mad at me because I speak the truth. I keep telling Scotland to come work at the shop with me. She can do a sewing like no other. You just sitting on money, girl. Yaya took a swig of her drink. Hair is your thing, Scotland sighed. I don't want to do sewings for the rest of my life. Then what do you want to do, Miss I Want to Have It All? Yaya said matter-of-factly. Scotland held her breath for a slight second before responding and looked at her friends. They were all awaiting her reply with bated breath. I want to be an author. Yaya leaned forward and spit out her drink. You want to be a what? She laughed, wiping her mouth. An author, Scotland said self-consciously. Girl, if you don't get somewhere and go on with that, what you know about writing a damn book? She did win all those writing contests back in school, Tootie pointed out. This bitch won a dare award, Yaya sneered. That ain't shit. Whatever, it was just a damn thought, Scotland sat back in her seat. Well, you need to quit thoughting, Yaya joked. Feeling utterly defeated, Scotland stared absently at the ground. Yaya could see the disappointment and sadness on Scotland's face. She instantly felt horrible for going in so hard on her sister. Listen, Ladybug, she got up and wrapped her arm around Scotland's shoulder. I'm not trying to knock your dreams or nothing. I'm just being realistic. You ain't never went to college. You've never written a book before in your life. And even if you did, how would you get it published? I don't know, Scotland shrugged. Exactly. It's a damn pipe dream. You coming to work with me at the shop? Now that's realistic. You gotta think smart. Stop thinking with your heart and with your head. We ain't nothing but four pretty bitches from Pagedale, and that's all we ever gonna be. Don't let them white folks gas you up. You gotta start making some realistic decisions about your life. You ain't getting no younger. You about to be 28 in a few weeks. Don't remind me, Scotland cut her off. Speaking of your birthday, what do you want to do, Lachey asked, because I can get us a table at the log and a free bottle. That sounds cool, Scotland rolled her eyes. Every year for her birthday, she did the same thing. 
she was sick of going to the law. Ooh, can I invite Murder and Jamil? Yaya smiled eagerly. You can invite Jamil. I don't want Murder nowhere around me. Huh? You're such a party pooper. You need to invite Murder. He's the one that's gonna buy out the bar. Scotland ignored Yaya and continued to stare off into space. Maybe she was right. Maybe this was all Scotland would ever be. Maybe she should work part-time at the shop. The mere thought made Scotland sick to her stomach. There was no way she could settle. There was nothing wrong with doing hair for a living, but Scotland had plans to reach the moon. She was more than just a nanny. The world was supposed to know her name. Come hell or high water, she was going to figure out a way to better her situation. Are you still up? Girl, good night. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.